0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the I Speak
1: Fisbo podcast, where we pull back the curtain from the real estate industry and expose everything they don't want you to know. We share tips, tricks, myths, and truths to fight against outdated real estate traditions so you can sell your home for top dollar without having to pay a dime in commission or sacrifice your time. It's time for homeowners to take back the power and break up the monopoly. This is the I Speak FSBO podcast, and this is your host, Josh Knox.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to the I Speak Fisbo podcast. This is Josh. Uh, I wanted to do a brief intro uh, because in this episode, I talked to another successful uh, owner who sold their house without the help of an agent, actually, any agents. Uh, no agents were involved in his transaction. And so um, I wanted to share, you know, the just a couple of the insights really quickly that, that um, Curtis shared with us. Uh, one of them was how he marketed his home, so take note of that. It was it was interesting. Um and you still see uh this the signs that he's talking about uh around communities uh driving traffic to properties. Uh and so that was I found that fascinating. Um and then um the fact that he was able to save over forty one thousand dollars in commissions was big i mean that's a lot of money to put back in your pocket so um and then you know the free advertising that he goes over and then some of the things that he felt like were a struggle but what it would have been like had he had just some of the right information uh, as he went through the process so uh, anyways, the it's a good interview. He shares some some nice insights and, of course, his victories uh, in terms of selling on his own. So um, go ahead and take a listen. I hope you enjoy. And uh, as always, uh, hopefully it's helpful and hope to see you on the next podcast.
1: All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to this podcast. I have today with us Curtis. And Curtis successfully sold uh, his home. Uh, for sale by owner and so uh, i want to welcome you to the podcast curtis and just start asking you questions if that's all right
0: oh that sounds great let me know go ahead i'm ready
1: okay uh so first question what what sort of led you to decide to want to sell your home on your own without the help of an agent
0: you know really it was all about uh, not wanting to pay the commissions um I learned it, uh, an idea, and I wanted to try it out. And I felt very confident that I could do it by myself. And uh, my home that I sold was almost seven hundred thousand. So if you think about how much it cost to sell it, I, I just wanted to save that money and not lose it. That's
1: all, that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest driver. Okay, cool. what was that idea you just mentioned that that's relating well, to you?
0: I was given something. It's um, called the old yellow sign technique. And it's uh I was you know I kind of made up this coin this phrase that says it's the old yellow sign technique, it's just like Novocaine give it a little time it always works and so I uh just listened to how that made it made sense where it resonated. Now, that's pretty simple,
1: okay okay, so um so maybe let's go along that path a little bit, so was that one of the tools that you used to market your house?
0: That was the only tool I used to market my house.
1: Okay. Tell me about that a little bit.
0: Well, the the thing is, I mean, basically is you go from one end when you kind of just take a yellow sign, put a home for, you know, some language about a home for sale and an arrow pointing towards your house. And then you go to the next corner and you point one towards your house. um, And you just kind of direct people with these yellow signs to see your house that's for sale by owner. And it just, it stirs traffic that, that points people at your home from every busy street. And you use the old, an old ugly yellow sign because the, you know, the city doesn't, they don't, they don't care. They just know that it's some, they, they won't throw them away. Like if you were trying to advertise something else with your ugly yellow signs, they don't allow you to do that. They'll throw them, the city will throw them away. But if you're selling your house as a for sale by owner, they leave them up as long as it, as long as you want. So... Okay, because that
1: was going to be a question I asked. You didn't run into any challenges with the the city ordinances in that regard.
0: No. In fact, I did I did something. People were making fun of me because I had so many yellow signs out there. I went from the first busy, busy street to the next busy, busy street, and I just had probably 20, 30 signs pointing towards my house, and they were all over. And so the neighbors would look at it and say, is that you're a – is that you putting all those yellow signs up and say, yeah, that's me. And no one ever took one down, no
1: one ever complained about it, but
0: they all knew Ooh, I was it. selling my house.
1: Yeah, interesting. So that that brings up another point. So not only does putting the signs up drive traffic, but now everybody in your neighborhood knows your house is for sale. Did you um, did you then put a, a sign in your yard at the house as well? like that a yellow oh. one or a different kind of one?
0: <clears throat> I put a yellow sign up front, but I also put the – the traditional for sale by owner sign up in front of the house as well. So I had okay. to, I thought about it this way, as, as many people as I could get to know that I was selling my house, you know, other neighbors would, you know, let their friends know, Hey, there's a home for sale in my neighborhood. You got to come check it out. Or, you know, just letting people know as many people as possible. I tried to use everyone else to help them sell my house too. So okay. the word of mouth. It was like free advertising to have somebody else tell the world that I'm selling my house. So I like that
1: idea. Okay, perfect. And then just, just a quick yes or no, you didn't put it anywhere online. It was all through the no. U Yeah, I didn't
0: I didn't put it anywhere online. I didn't have the ability okay. or I didn't have the access to that.
1: You didn't have access to it. Okay. If you would have had uh, simple access to something like that to get it online, would would do you think you would have added that to your marketing?
0: Oh, absolutely, no question. Okay.
1: Okay. Let just a couple of, um, you know, maybe basic questions about the actual listing of the house. Um, what was your original list price, and then what was your final sales price?
0: I think I listed it for six. Um, I didn't want to go over seven hundred. I think I listed it for six ninety. And I sold it for six seventy five. Okay. Um,
1: and so when you when the when you found the buyer, were they working with an agent, or did you find a buyer that also that didn't have an agent?
0: No, they. It was for sale by owner. Or, I'm sorry, they did not have an agent. In fact, on the they made a joke about it when they when they were driving up to the house and said, "Oh, it's a sign. We should buy this house. It's a sign." It was pretty funny.
1: Okay. How did you come up with your list price originally? I,
0: yeah, I didn't do, uh, I think probably talked to a, a, several realtors to get a, a market analysis. Um, but I just kind of looked in the neighborhood of what homes were selling about my, my price. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't trying to get top dollar. I was trying to sell my house and, uh, okay. you know, I built it. So I wanted to sell it and make a profit on it. That was the objective. Um, but I probably got a market analysis from a, a couple of realtors and say, "Am I in the bar- right ballpark?" But that's all. I didn't. Okay. I didn't have a tool for that either. So.
1: Okay. So uh, original list price six ninety sold for six seventy five. So uh, about fifteen thousand off there, um, give or take whatever the final numbers were at closing. Um, did you feel like? Or did you, be, because you were able to sell it on your own and find a buyer on your own, did you feel like, um, yeah, this is this is a good amount for me to sell this house? Like, I made the profit that I was looking for.
0: I was very happy.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, and then what other resources did you find besides just that one idea in terms of selling your house? So when I say that, like the one idea came to you with the whole yellow sign technique, which obviously worked. Um, what other resources did, did you find?
0: Uh, you say resources, you mean other avenues to market? Uh, well, it could be anything.
1: For... Yeah, and I'm, you're cutting out just a touch, but um, like did you have, did you have help with contracts or did you have help with um, working with the lender to, to verify that the buyer was a good buyer? Did you have contacts with title companies to, to close the transaction? That sort of thing. What kind of resources? Yeah,
0: Fortunately, I, uh, um, they are they already approved when they came to me. They were already approved and had their financing in place. So it wasn't a question of whether it would work or not for me. Um, yeah, I worked with a title company, and I, I let them decide which title company worked out for them. Um, I just let them get their financing, and I that um, they came with a pre-approval letter, so everything was already done when I got there, or when they came to me. So I was I was very lucky that way. Um,
1: okay. Yeah. Okay. What What were the What would you say based upon your observation were the market conditions at the time. Was it a a hot seller's market? Was it a buyer's market? Was it a down market?
0: I, I sold the house in 2003 and it was more of a, um, it really wasn't a seller's market. You know, it wasn't something that uh, I I knew I was going to make a ton of money and that everybody was out buying houses. That was right after the, you know, the war in the Middle East, the Gulf War, started. And so things were kind of uh, – um, things were volatile. Um, they weren't really in my
1: favor, but I think we did really well for
0: selling the house.
1: How did you end up handling handling the purchase contracts? Like if, if, uh, and, and let me preface this with um, sometimes people can get a little bit overwhelmed or they feel overwhelmed with the contracts, but what was your experience with them and how did you – how did you
0: handle them? I I actually have a little bit of experience with the, I was, just, you know, in the mortgage business. So I'd seen several contracts and I knew what they looked like. I knew when I uh, put together my contract, what it, what it entailed and what was important to me as far as disclosures and things like this. But I was by no means um, professional at it. Um, I, I If I had somebody that could have helped me with that, that would have made it a whole lot easier for me because I, I, okay. I didn't have anybody really. It was just, okay, this makes sense to me, because I had been in the field, so I understood what it was. But I, I definitely could have used a, a third party to look at it and say, no, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this right. I, I, I consider myself very lucky that it worked out the way it did, because I know those contracts <laughs> can be hairy. So. Did you,
1: um, when it came to that, did you feel like, type stuff here and if I read over this and because I've seen it once or twice like you were comfortable that way or or do you feel like the third party I I guess my question is, is what would you have liked to have had happen with the contracts when it came to the third party you mentioned a little bit like you're doing this right or you're doing this wrong but was there something specifically that sticks out in your mind about it
0: I think the biggest thing that would have helped me the most was knowing what options I had you know it is a fill in the blank contract so it seems pretty easy but i felt i felt like um i didn't know enough options i didn't know what was available to me it was kind of a fill in the blank document so i could figure it out but i didn't know specific details in there that would have could have protected me more so that if the event that the contract went south or something happened with the buyer i didn't feel like i was protected enough it would have been nice to have um someone to explain the options that's all
1: so, maybe, maybe, if I'm hearing you right, like if you just had even some guidance that you could have watched a video on or read something about like just paragraphs broken down in the contract to explain this is what this is for, and here's the two options you can use, maybe something made, along those made lines. The,
0: it literally would have made the difference night and day you know i i i I keep telling people I'm very lucky because I didn't have any problems with it. Um, yeah, sure. I excessively sold my house, but did I, did I do the best that I could have? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know that I did the best I could. I just worked with what I had and it would have been nice to have somebody explain to me what my options were rather than just say, okay, I've got, well, when's a you know, it's me asking the question, when's a good amount of time I should give them for this portion of the contract? Well, what's the right amount? You know, how does that hurt me? How does that help me? What are my options? I didn't know that stuff. So.
1: So oh, you mean like maybe standard timing, right? So if,
0: oh yeah. And I'll just,
1: mm-hmm. I'll just throw out an example here. And then you tell me if this is kind of what you're talking about. So contracts in general for real estate have uh, time elements attached to them. So there's a time element for disclosures from the seller to the buyer. There's a time element for the buyer to get their due diligence or their inspections done. There's a time element for the buyer to have their financing in order so some, and then of course the time element to actually get the entire contract closed and then money changes hands and property ownership changes hands. So if I'm hearing you right, just knowing some of those standard, like just what it happens in the industry from day to day when a contract is written, like put this date here, this date here, this date here. Is that right?
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. And it, it means that that was one aspect of it, but options, you know, what happens if the, uh, you know, I was thinking that seller's disclosures, you know, I was giving him disclosures, but I didn't know what happens if something isn't approved. What happens if something isn't um, exactly the way it's supposed to be? You know, what are my options? What do, how do I remedy that problem? Now, I, I built the house, so there wasn't anything wrong with it. I could disclose everything. It wasn't ever, you know, what if I didn't know about something? You know, how do, I, how do I work with that? There was no one there to hold my hand and walk me through it. So I was vulnerable to not just really to my own ignorance. Sure. It would have been nice to have somebody explain things to me. That's all. And a video, like you said, that would be incredible.
1: Almost. Okay. So if I'm, I think, I I think what I'm hearing then is if, if for example um, you go under contract and the buyer finds something in the inspection that they're uneasy about moving forward on. So, Let's say they find the tiniest leak in the roof. Um, you're, it sounds to me like it would have been nice for you to know what your options were if the buyers were to come back and go, look, we found a leak in the roof. Somebody said we got to replace the whole thing, and that's $10,000, and we're just right. not willing to do that. You're, if I understand you, you're, you're saying it would have been nice to know how to handle that particular situation. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I, I think that's something that a lot of homeowners potentially maybe not worry about, but think about like, how would I deal with this situation? And so of course that's the entire reason for the podcast. And actually I have an episode talking about that. So that's a, that's a really excellent point. Okay. What, what do you wish you would have, would have known? When you started the process, that you eventually learned through the process.
0: Well, one one thing, I mean, just just a simple point: home warranties. You know, I I, I would not like to have known that there was a home warranty I could have purchased. But when I said that, um, you know, I'm subject to my own ignorance because I didn't know what was available. My options, that never became an issue for me. But how nice it would have been if, I'd, if I could have bought a home warranty to get them. That would have enhanced my uh, ability to market the house. I think offering things that I didn't know about, you know, building more value into the sale of my home with, with things that I knew would have made a huge difference to me. I think you find out the things after the fact of what you could have, you go, it's that standard homer, uh, oop, I don't know. If you've yeah. Anyway. It's, yeah. It's no, things that you didn't fun. know about.
1: Yeah,
0: that's- I, I wish I'd have known. Yeah, I wish I'd have known. Go ahead, sorry.
1: Sure, no, that's okay. I mean, that's, um, and I don't mean to interrupt, but that's an excellent point on home warranties. You know what what they can be used for? Because you're right in your case, and I I experienced something very similar when I sold my house. I didn't have anybody to hold my hand, and you know my house was only four years old when I sold it, and so the likelihood of something massive being wrong wasn't there. However, no home is perfect, and so knowing about a home warranty to say to the buyer, look, I, I'm going to buy you a home warranty uh, that will cover you for the next year. And then, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is they can continue to repurchase a home warranty as long as they live in the home, and it adds an extra layer of protection that people just aren't aware of, and it's very inexpensive. It's, it's not something that homeowners' insurance would cover home warranties cover different things. And so um, I've actually met with people before who have had a home warranty for 30 years of the same home ownership, and it has covered them through a lot of things. And the cost of it is so, so low yearly. Nice to have. So that's a great point. Okay. What was the most frustrating part of the process that you, that you dealt with?
0: I think the communication was the most frustrating thing because I was my, by myself, I didn't have someone to tell me what to ask or tell me what possibilities were or, you know, how do I communicate the right way with this? Is it, you know, not only the negotiation side of it, you know, how do I negotiate a price? How do I deal with that? There were, but there was no one there to say, well, you know, how do you follow up on this to make sure it's done the right way? I, I'm sure that I was like a bull in a China shop to say, Hey, Mr. Title Company, have you done your job? You know, rather than this is how you communicate with these people, this is how you find out, this is what to expect. And so, not knowing what to expect, I'm blind. And I, I think the communication back and forth with everybody in the process would have been, uh, could have been handled better had I know known more or known what to do.
1: So it sounds like a standard, again, a standard list of. Like literally just the steps that you need to take to go through the process, right? Like step one is this, step two oh. is this, right?
0: If I had step that, three. if I had had that, I, you know what, I, I, rather than blunder through it, it would have been really nice to just know what to do, yeah.
1: Let me ask you this as maybe one of one of the final questions. If you could have waved a magic wand when you were going through the most painful part of the process, and had that problem solved, what would that have been like for you? What would you have waved that magic wand at?
0: I mean just just the same things that I did i the, the frustration if I could have waved the frustration away, knowing that everything's going to work out, because you know there there were times that me and my wife were you know were arguing over things that really didn't matter. You know, how come you haven't done this and how come you haven't done that? That that was probably the frustration, you know, not, not knowing what to do. And if I had it all, because I'd worked in the mortgage business, I was supposed to have known everything and I didn't. So making peace in my house, I would have loved to have had that. That would have been a good magic wand. Probably the, the second guessing was probably another thing. You know, did I do it the right way? Could I have done better? I didn't know those answers either. That was kind of an important thing to make sure I did it all the right the first time, you know, anyway. Sure.
1: Again, it sounds like if you would have had sort of this template that you could have used step one, step two, then you could have gone through the template and went, okay, I did this. I did that. Okay. With the contracts here, step one, step two. Okay. I did this. I did that. I'm now supposed to give this contract to this person. That sounds to me like, the magic wand because it would have eliminated all of those other pieces that you shared through the time that we've been talking, right? It's like, well, I knew I could put yellow signs out, but then what happens after that? Cause so that's the marketing piece, right? Does that make sense? It sounds to me like it does that having that let process me, in place, step one through step four would have really helped.
0: Well, you're, you're right. But let me, let me bring something else to you because I think a checklist would have made a a, a big difference but something more than a checklist something that says this is what the checklist means you know this is what you need to watch out for because if you do this this is what could happen And, and I don't know it has to be that detailed but something that says this is the checklist but this is why it's on the checklist does that make sense yeah
1: yeah no it makes perfect sense and I think I think anybody listening to this would likely agree with that. That it's very easy to do a checklist of the things that need to happen. But you're right, understanding the details inside of it. So mm-hmm. almost like a little, just a little bit of coaching and encouragement. Like, okay, you did this item on the checklist. Here are two other things that could potentially happen with this item, and here's how you'd handle them.
0: Right. Because, that would have been. That, yeah. Okay. Perfect.
1: Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I and I honestly I felt similar when I sold my house. It was this thing like, okay, you do this, now you do this. Okay, now what's next? And I I found myself talking to the lender for the buyers and asking them, you know, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, you just do this." And then you and it made a difference. I mean, it made a big difference to be able to ask somebody that question. So with you, mm-hmm. you would have understood, just like you said, the lending process that the buyers had already gone through, right? They were pre-approved, so you you understood that. And you understood what they would go through to get their loan done. But then what are the other pieces that, that you need to do? And I think a lot of it is there's not a tremendous amount, in my experience, that sellers have to do once the house is under contract.
0: If, it wasn't... Um... That's where the frustration about did you call this person, or did you do something, that's the frustration that happens is the waiting and and really the anxiety, the anticipation that something's not done right because we haven't heard anything, we don't know what's going on. Having that, that uh, explanation of what's next really would have solved a, a lot of confusion, a lot of problems, a lot of arguing and fighting. And uh, it has just been, it made it a smoother transaction.
1: So – yeah so maybe just knowing that when you're under contract and the buyer is going through their part of the process just a a once a week phone call to their lender to say hey how's it going on your end is everything good and then hearing and then knowing that the answer you're looking for is yep everything's good on our end we're gonna now order the appraisal and then once the appraisal is done to know to follow up with them and go how did it come out i mean that kind of stuff
0: yeah you know when I when I did call the and this is something that has to do with um, really personalities of people when I'd call their lender and say you know I mean I got I knew who was involved I you know I asked the questions because so when I knew they had no encouragement to call me there was no motivation for them to give me an update what's going on so I always had to call them and that's part of that frustration I think if there was some yeah. kind of communication that that made sense for them to call me and give me the update. So I didn't have that, that stress. That would have been really helpful. Yeah. I don't know if that's, that's more of a personality thing. You know, there are good people and there are bad people and you know, the good people are the good. That's why they're good.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. And everybody's got their strengths in the businesses that they do. And sometimes lenders uh, don't always have the strength of communication. And so that's why I said what I said, I guess, if people just knew that as the seller, their responsibility is to call or send an email each week seeking just an update, and knowing that all you need is the update because things are happening, you just they're just happening more frequently for the buyer in the process because there's just more for a buyer to do. Um, Agreed. So, yeah. For sure. So let, let me let me ask you this: How much time do you think it took you personally? From, you know, hanging the sign to getting all the way to signing the closing papers, how much time do you think it actually took you to do this? Was it like a 40-hour job or was it like a 20-hour job? And If you just calculate, today I spent an hour doing this or yesterday I spent 20 minutes doing this. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So I would say there was a lot looking at making sure my house was, you know, ready to sell. I mean, I, I think that's common for everybody. But as far as the effort of selling it, I put out, I went out on a Saturday morning. I had made the signs, you know, there's a black magic marker and some yellow signs. And I, I made the signs. I probably spent, I don't know, an hour making signs. And then I just drove to the busy streets. So, and then I put them up with the arrows pointing in the right direction. I was probably three hours into that at the most by the time I drove all over in the neighborhood and did all that stuff. As far as marketing, that's all I spent on it, three hours maybe. And then uh, the follow-up was just, you know, people call and I'd show them the house. That's just standard what it is. I mean, you had to be involved in that. But, you know, probably the hardest thing is making sure the house was clean, you know, uh, so that people could come and see it. And I got little kids and they're like, well, I want to play, Dad. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to not play today because we have to clean the house anyway. But that's just standard stuff. I'd have done that no matter what how i sold my house but i didn't see uh it wasn't like a huge
1: effort so do you think maybe you spent less than 15 hours of total time
0: oh uh, the no there's no question that would even be showing the house in
1: negotiation yeah that's it what i'm finding right i'm i'm finding that, and i found this when i did when i sold my own home and I found this as I was, you know, previously a previous licensed agent. It just, there's just not a tremendous amount of time involved in selling a house, you know. So mm-hmm. that's why I asked that question. Well, as a final parting thought, what would you, what would you share with our listeners who are considering selling their own home? What, what pearls of wisdom would you have for them?
0: Two, probably two things first one is don't don't underestimate what's involved in it it's a it's a huge transaction it can create some some problems you can run into some things if you don't if you don't have some way of uh making sure you've got your ducks in a row know what the transaction entails before you do it but it, selling your you're selling your house by yourself I would never use a realtor to sell a house i wouldn't uh, use an uh, an ugly yellow sign technique like i said it's just like novocaine give it a little time it always works people find your house just make sure you have a lot of traffic and that's how you get it but it's it's not a i i mean i'll never use a realtor to sell a house it's not that hard okay is that fair
1: yeah i mean i i think it is and i i've been this podcast has been is been uh interesting cuz there's a part of me, even though I was a licensed real estate agent, that feels like, no, I would, I would never re- use a real estate agent either. I mean, I, I did it on my own to begin with before I ever became licensed. Uh, and so I understand your point. I mean, it's definitely possible. That's what, that's what I hear the more uh, I talk to homeowners who have been successful, that it is possible. And then having been in the business, I saw, you know, the amount of effort that it took to sell a house. And so I would caution people that are listening, like, it's doable, right? But it doesn't mean a real estate agent couldn't add value. I just think it's so doable that you don't need to hire one unless you run into some, uh, you know, circumstances that are out of your control. And I've seen those people before, elderly couples that, you know, are just trying to deal with illness. In fact I talked to a nice lady the other day who had sold multiple properties on her own and she's going through a severe illness and just decided I i don't have the energy to do it and that I completely understood. But your point is your point is valid, I I feel like, you know, if you've got the if you've got the gumption, I guess, to do it, uh then you just get started and you do it. And you and you're able to put all that money back in your pocket where it belongs. So
0: Here, here's and another thing a, too. Um this, this is something that I would point out, too. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm not afraid to ask questions and figure it out. You know, if I don't know, I'll find out. You know, if you've got somebody who uh, doesn't have the, the I don't want to say skills, because everybody has the skills to ask questions, but, you know, if you struggle with being a go-getter to go get it done, you know, make it happen on your own, this might be a little bit harder than you think, but it's definitely doable. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Everybody will help you. The title company is there to make a difference. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no,
1: it makes perfect sense. And and that's, that's how I went through the process. And I was, I, I'm actually a fairly shy person. And so I sometimes have a hard time asking questions, but I was determined to do it because I didn't want to pay the price. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good feedback. Well, that's all the questions I have for today, Curtis. I want to thank you for your time. I, the listeners I know will get a lot of value out of this for sure. And so, yeah, again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you shared your story with us and, and your pearls of wisdom.
0: Josh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. This has been, this kind of educational. It brings, it brings back a lot of good memories, you know? So thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. I had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thank you.